0: church, we have been studying marks of discipleship, what it looks like to be a disciple. And we talked about um, membership as a mark of being a disciple, being committed to the body of Christ. We talked about being a magnifier, someone who takes what God has given them and blessed them with in the community of worship out into the world. And today we're going to talk about disciples as ministers. And I think, that, I think that one of the issues we have with that is that in our vocabulary, we, we set ministers apart as pastors. I'm a pastor. Um, if you think about this, if I've ever had to come visit you in the hospital or you've ever introduced me somewhere, you don't, you don't say to someone, oh, this is minister hope, right? You say this is pastor hope. And there's a very good reason for that because pastors are a very specific type of ministers, but ministers are the church. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Would you pray with me and we'll study that word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to really think about if we're going to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. Disciples, follow jesus that's pretty much the definition of a disciple a follower of jesus which seems easy enough i suppose you just do what he does you follow him do what jesus did have you ever actually thought though about what jesus did there's there's a lot to it but but the ultimate thing that Jesus did was that he gave up his life for us. We're the, the many that the scripture talks about. And that was the plan, uh, after all. But he did say it in, this, in today's passage. He says, for the Son of Man came not to be served, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's such a radical concept, isn't it? Because we live in a world where someone's always asking, well, what's in it for me? What's, what's the benefit to me? What am I going to get out of this? And James and John knew what they wanted out of it. They wanted prominent positions. They, they wanted seats of honor in and glory. And, and the thought process was, that if they just trail along behind Jesus and they, they let Jesus do all of his thing and at least not be an obstruction to Jesus, that that way they could set themselves up for honor and glory later on. Well, there's, there's a lot of people who do that, who have that thought process. Um, there's, there's people who go and they get that bumper sticker on their car to make sure that, that you know that they've heard about Jesus, and there they can quote for you these very amazing select passages of the Bible that miraculously only apply to you, not to them, and then there's, then there's that group that just loudly announces which church they attend. I mean, at least every fifth Sunday or so they attend, just so that you know that there's a commitment there. And they can sing the first verse of Amazing Grace without looking at the words. They just, they just want to make sure, they just it's important to them that we all know that they're a good person because they claim to be a Christian. The thought process is that as long as they're not a super sinner, and I mean, by like super sinner, we're talking serial killer here or something, and they've got that bumper sticker on the back of their car, then that's really all that's necessary, and when they get to glory, that seat is going to be right there for them. Which might be true if they're trying to tell people that they go to church or that they're a fairly decent human being. You know, there's a lot of fairly human decent, fairly fairly decent human beings out there on the planet. And yet, none of those things, not a single one of them, even remotely equates to being a follower of Jesus. So if you're really going to follow Jesus, then you have to take a very hard look at verse 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and he gave, he gave, he gave his life as a ransom for many. Disciples of Jesus do not come to be served, but to serve. And they give their lives as ransom for many. In this way, disciples of Christ are ministers. ministers is the, minister is the English word that is derived from the Latin that means servant. Ministers are servants. So everyone who seeks to follow Christ Is a minister servant. And I want you to notice here that what Jesus, when when Jesus is describing what he's doing, what it is that, that we are trying to follow, he doesn't qualify it. It's not that he came to serve and to give his life after he went to college after he went to seminary, after he got ordained, after he became pastor, after his kids were out of the house, after the teenagers were done with their stuff, after the young adults got married and went off, after they were grandparents. Nope, that's not how Jesus said it. He just said that he came to serve and not be served. He wanted every disciple to be a minister that was living a life of meeting the needs of others. And that means that you give your life as ransom for others. Have you ever looked at the news footage in in the wake of a catastrophic event? Think something like 9-11 or one of the tsunamis or hurricanes, things of that nature. And besides the survivors or the victims, what kind of people do you see in those videos and in those photographs? What you see are rescue workers. You see construction crews. You see linemen. You see people who are serving others often at the expense of their own lives, their health, their well-being. And I guess you could get cynical about it and argue, yeah, they get paid for it, so technically that's their job. They should be doing it. But I've never met anyone in a crisis situation who thought, I wonder how this is going to affect my paycheck before they thought about it as a ministry. It took more than a paycheck for men and women to go back in again and again and again, shift after shift into the rubble and into the ruins of the World Trade Center. Some of them lost their very lives in the process of saving others. That's what Jesus did. So all disciples of Jesus are called to be ministers. They seek to serve others at the cost of their very lives. And I know that, I know that if you want to go literal about that, you're thinking, well, who, who's going to get up on a cross? But if you also think about this, your life is your time. And we all have a very limited amount of time. To give up your time for others is to serve them. There was a poor farmer. He lived up on a high hill that was set back a little distance off from the ocean so that he could see the valley below. And one day he is out in the field and he feels the ground starting to shake and he knew that that was an earthquake. So he looked out from the hill and he could see that this had set off a massive wave in the distance and that the villagers down below were in grave danger. There was no way for him to get down the hill, tell them, get them back up the hill. So the farmer looked around, and he decided that he would set fire to his barn, the one piece of property that he had. He set it on fire, and as the smoke and flames started to go up, the people down in the valley saw that there was a crisis going on, and they ran up the hill. When the wave hit, they were all in a place of safety. But when the waters receded, the man had lost everything that he had for the lives of others. Disciples of Jesus see ministry as an opportunity, not as an obligation. The farmer had the opportunity to save lives. It wasn't his job. He wasn't going to get anything out of it. In fact, he had a whole lot to lose and he did. Ministry is opportunity and true disciples are always looking, proactively looking for opportunities to serve. Several years ago, our church did an all-church mission uh, with Habitat for Humanity. And if you're going to do something with Habitat for Humanity, you you know in advance this involves construction. We're going to be building something, and we were part of the build for Hope Landing. We went out to this site. What did you expect we were going to do out there? Construction. Now, I'm going to tell you something that very few people know. Did you know that there is no course on construction that is offered in seminary? None. None. There is not a pastor alive who went to graduate school and took a class on how to do construction with Habitat for Humanity. Most pastors are going to be totally, utterly useless when it comes to construction did you know that if the ministry of affordable housing was left in the hands of most every clergy person on the planet we would all be homeless i can go out to the home site i can pray over it but i cannot i cannot build it by myself so god has to call up a very different set of ministers to raise up these homes. Now that doesn't mean that clergy are excused from that kind of work. Quite the opposite. What it means is that as followers of Christ, as fellow followers of Christ, we have to set aside our typical role as the spiritual leadership and join the work crew under the supervision of somebody who actually knows what they are doing. There is a reason that Pastor Sung made sure to take Neil Young on the mission trip to Belize. Because Pastor Sung can pray about building a latrine, Neil actually knows how to do it. You need that kind of ministry. So your vocation may be the vehicle of opportunity that God has given you to serve, what you might normally do for a paycheck may also be the very thing that provides you the opportunity to give of yourself for the needs of others. So when I think about that in our congregation, I think about those in the congregation that are mechanics and gardeners and doctors and teachers and plumbers and therapists and grandparents and accountants and lawyers and entrepreneurs and bakers and retired pastors and on and on and on. Every person in this room, every single person in this room has a ministry calling. The only difference is that disciples are the ones who are going to live out that calling. Those who are not disciples, who are only interested in checking a box so that others know how holy they are, make the choice. And it is a choice not to serve. We always talk about it being a choice to serve. It's also a choice Not to serve because they go very far out of their way not to see the opportunity to serve because they're not ready or willing to be inconvenienced in any way. C.S. Lewis, my favorite Christian author, once said, I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew that a bottle of port would do that if you want religion to make you feel comfortable, I certainly do not recommend Christianity. Right? Because it's uncomfortable to think sometimes about how selfish we can be. But brothers and sisters, it is always a choice to serve. And service is rarely, if ever, about your comfort. It's a move towards a more mature discipleship. In order to do that, you have to be willing to think more of others than you do of yourself. And so for many of us, parenting is a ministry. Caring for elderly parents is a ministry. Caregiving to those with terminal illness is a ministry. Have you ever gone on vacation with someone who is radically different in their concept of vacation than yours? My whole life, that has been the case when I vacation with my mother. Because my idea of vacation, for as long as I can possibly remember into my early childhood, my idea of vacation is very quiet, very low-key, very unplanned. My mother's idea of vacation is full-blown, action-packed, minute-by-minute, itinerary of non-stop activity for days on end. And her most favorite place to execute this type of vacation is Disney World. When I was a teenager, I would go through the motions of this, walking around the parks all day long with this internal voice in my head that would constantly repeat, welcome to hell, you have arrived. Right? But here's the crazy thing. As she's gotten older and... I've gotten older and matured a little bit and I'm able to think a little bit further outside of myself, I can see how much she values this type of trip How much joy it brings her thinking that she is providing the optimal, maximized experience to the entire family. How much effort and love she puts into that. And now, rather than spending all day thinking about how miserable I am, I think of this as an opportunity to really enjoy and give thanks and to celebrate my mom, which transforms the whole experience because it's no longer no longer an obligation but an opportunity for me to be in ministry because it's not all about me we we tend to want to think very narrowly about ministry that it's it's just about what happens in the church But if as a church we really believe that our vision is to be the church, and that means being the church is is who we are every day, not just on Sunday mornings, then every single day presents each of us with an opportunity for ministry. That happens in lots of different places. It can happen in the workplace. If somebody is a teacher, then their professional obligation, their paycheck is linked to their ability to teach. But the opportunity for ministry is when you have that kid who is struggling, not because she's not smart, but because she's hungry or she's hurting or she's been abused or she's being bullied, and you take the time, time that you're not going to get paid for, and you seek out those opportunities to change a life. When I talk to my teacher friends I tell them that that my biggest heroes my biggest teacher heroes are the ones who when the teachers are sitting around in the summer with the administration and they're assigning different classes and all the teachers look at the kid and they're like and there's this one teacher that says "I'll, I'll take him I'll take him you put him in my class those those are people who understand that what they do is a ministry Now, that ministry can also happen in community. If somebody is widowed, then there is this societal and deeply personal obligation to grieve that loss. But there's also an opportunity for ministry as they meet other widows and widowers who have come to their grief without the hope of the resurrection. That doesn't require you to be an ordained pastor. The opportunity may present itself in your family. In many cultures around the world, caring for elderly parents is seen as an opportunity, as a privilege, as an honor, whereas in the United States, we see it much more as a prevailing burden. But never doubt, never doubt that it is indeed ministry of care, of compassion, to feed someone who has forgotten how to feed themselves, to preserve the dignity of a once independent person to sit with someone in their final hours you don't have to have certifications in pastoral care to do this all this requires is that you see it as an opportunity not an obligation disciples followers of jesus christ grow as they minister they grow at becoming adept in seeing opportunities they grow By putting others ahead of themselves they grow by diminishing their sense of self-importance and their need for recognition and accolades and as a result as there becomes less and less of them there is more and more of christ that can be seen in them so if you really want to know if you're growing as a disciple just ask yourself this question when someone looks at me do they see more of me Or do they see more of Christ? And if the answer that you come up with makes you feel uncomfortable, that may be God's way of telling you that it's time to grow. Let's pray together. Holy God, we recognize that each one of us is presented with opportunities to be a minister each and every single day. And yet, we have become so very, very good at turning a blind eye to those opportunities. Forgive us. Help us to grow in you, to know that you have called us to follow you. And as we follow you, there becomes less of us and more of you. In your name we pray. Amen.